This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. And with me today, of course, it's Hans, watching the wrong movie for this show. Hans, how it's, are you doing tonight? It's a, this is Movies, because it's October, right? That's right. It is officially October. That we're kicking off the horror season with this film, maybe twice, maybe no times. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much you actually absorb from this unofficial release of a film. You might as well have watched a fan edit. Of a, you ever watch any fan edits? Uh, no. no. I watched a fan edit of Pulp Fiction that was exclusively focused on the Bruce Willis character and the John Travolta character. How was that? It was all right. I mean, it was fine. It was watchable, I guess. It was watchable, yeah. They did, they did a serviceable job with it. It was well, all right. Th- this one's not really much of a horror movie if you watch the version that I watched. It's it's very what like suspense psychological. Not nothing horrific happened, I don't think, or was shown. So, um, what was the most horrible thing you saw in the movie? Um, old people, <laughs> <laughs> gross old people. Well, no, uh, I think the the scene where where uh, where he uh, his daughter almost gets her head cut off was pretty cool. Like when that when shit goes that uh, shit hits the fan at his home, but there's not really that much. I mean, you have the famous scene that was spoiled for me by the internet with the nurse being chased by the the blanket ghost and that huge knife thing, whatever it is, um, which was, I guess, one of the very few jump scares that it has. Uh, hey, I, hey, yeah. hold on a second. We didn't even introduce the movie though. Oh right, right. You're really getting into the meat and potatoes of this film. We haven't even talked about what we're talking about tonight, which is Exorcist. No, we're not. We're talking about Legion. Yeah. Because you did not see the official <laughs> release of X. He said, he said to me seconds before we went live, well, what's the difference between the two? The difference is everything. You might as well have watched the Zack Snyder Justice League movie instead of Exorcist 3. From William Peter Blatty. I'll tell you what. I watched both of these. And I, I actually did what you did here. The very first time I ever watched Exorcist 3, I watched Legion. The director's cut, which is pieced together using VHS dailies. And it's not it's not terrible. It's not terrible to make that transition in and out. But it's definitely jarring. And if you're somebody who isn't programmed to accept that sort of change up, it's going to be an off-putting experience. Shout Factory put it out as a special feature on the Exorcist 3 Blu-ray that they issued maybe about five or ten years ago, and now there's a new 4K release of this film. You watched it on effedupmovies.com. Yes. I googled, I googled uh, Exorcist 3 director, Scott, and that was one of the first results. So I was like, oh, I'm sure it's going to be an effed up movie. And it really kind of not like not really <laughs> it was it was all right but there wasn't anything that effed up i guess uh i did watch the super mario brothers movie similar to this version where they just added a bunch of uh vhs footage and, and things like that so i was i was i've had that experience before so it wasn't that jarring mm-hmm. um and uh i feel like all of those scenes w- w- you just add more brad Dourif as as um as what is it, Gemini? 
James <laughs> Veneman, the Gemini killer, who's kind of a combination of the Zodiac killer and Jeffrey Dahmer. And also at the beginning, there's some scenes between um, George C. Scott's character and the doctor that are, are funny. I enjoy those because uh, he's just he's just a miserable detective. He's just miserable and just like complaining about things. And uh, that's my favorite George C. Scott character, I think. Where well, that's just... it. The only George C. Scott yeah. character is Angry Man is somebody who's getting very worked up, who's just <laughs> very stressed to be dealing with any social interaction. Yeah. And then he he really blows up. And he blows up from a place of the middle, just the depths of his throat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I identify with him a lot. Do but, you have uh, a George C. Scott impression? Oh, fuck. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, that might be your best celebrity impression that we've heard on the show anyway. That's not what, bad. What is he saying? Hardcore? Make it stop? Uh, yeah. Right? That's what he says? Yeah, Something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. He starts calm and then he gradually goes into very loud bellowing throughout the theater while Peter Boyle does not make his stop. He just kind of stands in the corner yeah, gleefully. He's hard. He's yeah. <laughs> dragging off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh I didn't really mind. I mean, now that I because I did that download the regular version and uh since I didn't know that there was that much difference, I just fast forward to the end because th that's what kind of felt a little eh, uh, about this movie, how it ended, uh, how he just shoots him dead and then it ends. Uh, and there's not really much of an exorcism. It's a real anymore. ruined orgasm of an ending. He yeah. walks in and says, you're free now. Shoots him twice. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and was, then... that was it. And it's not a satisfying conclusion, which my opinion of these two movies, first of all, there's a whole other actor that's like the star of that movie, you realize. Really? Jason Miller comes back as Father Karras from the original Exorcist movie. So there's a situation here where it's not dissimilar to Dominion and Exorcist the beginning, which I watched Dominion again recently, and it was a lot better than I remembered it being even with the hokey special effects, because maybe now it's just we're so beaten down by Disney's very poor Indian hatchet jobs with $3 Fiverr graphics that they throw into their, their movies that the bar is so low for what we'll accept for CGI. Yeah. Right? So I watched Dominion again recently. I was like, this is actually a very solid, serious film, and the images of Pazuzu and you know the demon yeah not the possessed boy necessarily in that movie are much better than what you see in at least exorcist 2 of pazuzu and certainly exorcist the beginning or the the tv show i tried watching the tv show just because i was very all in on on the exorcist this past month after finding that tv copy on archive.org and obviously we have exorcist believer coming out in a week which we're going to do a show on that tentatively mm -hmm. with jay curtis miller cool. so you're gonna have to figure out a good good bus transit route to the costa rican theater of one no, two three movies for that i think i think it comes out here uh the same week if i'm not mistaken uh usually those big horror movies do come out uh similar to wait a second are they playing the original exorcist in the theater 
They are uh, around here anyway. Yeah, they are. That's cool. Regal uh-huh. and AMC, I think, are playing it. And it's been what now? It's been it's gonna be fifty years since the Exorcist. This is actually this might be the fiftieth anniversary of the Exorcist. Eighty, ninety, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> let me see. Let me just find out if they're because that would make it. I want. I, I want to see that in the theater. I don't want to. I don't want to one to three movies with a with a black man. Uh, playing with a blender full of money in the middle of the movie like i made the mistake of seeing we call uh, that an intermission here in the states they should put that in (laughs) ben-hur like i saw elvis that was a Mm -hmm. huge mistake uh have you seen the the nun too no i don't i don't watch any modern spooky ghosty horror at all rings insincere to me i think you need the christian element i think you need the catholicism that's baked into it it's like the the eternal good fighting against evil because otherwise it's just shit okay so it's out on the sixth here so we should be fine okay perfect we'll we'll take a look at that and hopefully it surpasses expectations and that one commenter who broke their nda to spoil the movie (laughs) is right in there yeah. Their opinion that it's better than this movie, which we're only talking about one of the movies. We're talking about William Peter Blatty's Legion. Do you know anything about the production of this film? I I read a little bit on on Wikipedia uh, about how well they took the edit away from him. Was it and then classic story? Yeah. yeah. And then there were uh, what what's the Moon something Moon Studios Crescent Moon? What's the company called? Um. No, no, no! You're confused. I know what you're talking about. Is, is it Regency? Uh, I had it right here. I know which one you're talking about. They put out tons of movies in the 1990s. I think they might have put out My Giant with Billy Crystal, Morgan Creek, Morgan Creek. No, that was Castle Rock Productions, which was oh. a Rob Reiner helmed company. So the the story of Legion is it's based on a book, and I'm actually reading the book right now. And it's pretty different from even what this director's cut hmm. is. There's there's some great departures that are taken. I guess it, maybe that happens when you have the author also directing their work. You know, he has full control of the work until the studio steps in. Maybe he doesn't want to repeat himself verbatim. But there is a, there's a lot of overlap as well in terms of dialogue and the presentation of the characters. So Legion was not really written as a as a sequel, but it's just kind of one of these like literary exists in the same world of the Exorcist. Same thing with uh, the Ninth Configuration, which William mm-hmm. Peter Blatty also directed. That came right before this, and I put out a video many years ago that said like the true Exorcist trilogy is the nineteen seventy three. Actually, I guess if you're going to go by William Peter Blatty, it would be the version you've never seen before, because he that is falsely labeled the director's cut everywhere everywhere just because friedkin went back and was like all right fine i'll let him have his version of it and threw in a bunch of stuff that was very you know this the romantic literary fluff that you did not need for that movie like the ending where you have these two characters that are the star of this movie that are the protagonists of this film played by two different actors mm. their friendship budding so maybe you watch the, the version you never seen before then you watch the ninth configuration then you watch Legion, the Legion cut of this this movie. So that would probably be the true William Peter Blatty Exorcist trilogy, if there was one. Um, but 
Yeah. Is that version you've never seen before? Is that what they re-released in the 2000s? Mm -hmm. with that was the, the first version I saw. With like the spooky shadows and face or whatever. Yeah, the like. overlays of the Pazuzu face in the yeah. kitchen. That sucked. Yeah. The only thing that's worthwhile from that is the stunt double for Linda Blair coming down the stairs and mm -hmm. the blood pouring out of her mouth for that spider walk scene. That's the only thing that I think could have been added and should have been added. Everything else can get flushed. And it, you know, for as much as I love The Exorcist, I did not see the 1973 version up until 2021. And then we did a show on it because I had the observation that the ending changes so much of the, and I'm not the first person to say that, the ending changes the tone of the movie so much that when you compare the version you've never seen before released in 2000, I believe it was, to that, it's it's a happy ending. It's a clear, very happy ending. You know, it's like good has triumphed over evil. But it, you know, it sucks the air out of that when yeah. you have the priest in the 73 one just going up to the stairs and being like, ah, oh, my friend's dead. I'm going to go take another route. And he never talks to Kinderman. Yeah, you don't want a happy ending for that type of movie. After everything that the movie puts you through, you don't want to, hey, we're pals, me and my pal. You know, that's not the, the end. You want dread you want to be sad you want to be left with a ah fuck you know uh, that's suppose. classic 70s that yeah. would be that is classic 70s filmmaking to leave you like you just saw something your brain's <laughs> going to process for the next 30 minutes go talk about it at a diner with your friend so that moment though that is excised from the 73 one that was added in at the very end of the version you've never seen before is the entire premise of this movie it's this new friendship that is budding between um, Lieutenant right. Kinderman and the priest. And I think I, I saw the version you've never seen before, before I saw the original. Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember my reaction to it was just like, this shit is goofy. Like this feels because of those extra CGI and all that shit they added. Like I couldn't, it was more difficult to take seriously what was happening because it would just be like a face that pops up and you're just like, are you serious? <laughs> like, is this really how you're trying to get me? This is corny. Uh, and and then, yeah, I did see the, the original one. It's a lot better, but it's, uh, I don't know. It feels like, like old, old, an old man trying to, I don't know, maybe, maybe that would be scary for for someone that's very religious or whatever. But I think that took the, this the scare away from my first watch uh from the original because i i did see that one first and and it was it just felt kind of like goofy i think at the time too uh, around the 2000s the uh, exorcism thing was also very overplayed if i'm not mistaken uh so it just felt did like... you see sorry to cut you off did yep. you see the exorcist the version you've never seen before around the time that the exorcism of emily rose and the last Exorcism, those movies were coming out i think so yeah yeah so that I didn't... was probably the worst time to watch <laughs> that movie yeah so that that uh, effect was was lost on me for that reason because it was just like yeah i don't doesn't still like i i it's a really good movie and it's really scary but i i think that kind of soured me on it uh, just seeing that one first it's like uh, if I was to watch E.T., which I've never seen, I don't want to see the one that has the walkie-talkies, you know, or oh. whatever changes George Lucas made. And and That uh, wasn't Luger. That was Spielberg. Oh, Spielberg. Spielberg right. 
went in lockstep with George Lucas and was like, he's editing his movie? I'll edit my movie. I think he also might have edited Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I was watching, I said this on Agitator yesterday when we were on that program. Go check out that episode. They're calling it one of the greatest of all time already. I wouldn't know if it was the greatest of all time if we just concluded it. What's the greatest movies episode of all time? Oh, shit. Uh, the last one. Go the last watch one. the <laughs> last one. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash Loris and find out. Pay $5 yeah. to find out. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wait, what was I saying? Anyway. So you were saying something that you said on Agitator yesterday. Oh, Agitator. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. What, <laughs> what, what did I say? Okay. Um, it was yeah. about, I think it was related to the exorcism movies that were in the 2000s. No, that's and, the theme of the oh, show. Oh, no, no. The um, Steven Spielberg editing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I was watching a clip of... Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese talking. It's about 1995, and it was one of these IFC-style interviews where they're talking about, oh, you know, why wouldn't it? Titanic had just come out. James Cameron was innovating CGI in real time. They said, why wouldn't Stanley Kubrick go back and add more people to the crowd in Spartacus like he wanted to do now that CGI will allow you to do it? And it's like these masters didn't understand that this would all progress yeah. and change and your vision of what that would be in a couple of months would be probably very different from when you first laid eyes on it yeah we you know? want spartacus to look like episode one or you know revenge of the clones like or... the pod race in episode yeah. one wow <laughs> yeah. that's great that could be that could be that could be in the cards imagine if you know i was also thinking back because george c scott died in 1999 Stanley Kubrick also died in 1999. We had a lot of great people, great artists die in 1999. And I think there's something cool about that, that they never made it into this shithole fucking century where they would have absolutely... I mean, George C. Scott was doing trash films. He did a movie called Curacao with William Peter. Like, he was... He probably would not have taken this movie if he was the George C. Scott of 1965. Maybe he would have. I don't know. But... The, the the decline that would have came surely after the new century approached, I'm glad we avoided that. Same with George V. Higgins. He died in 99, too. Yeah, I was looking through his IMDb just to see, because, you know, a lot of the times when we cover these old movies, um, most of the time, I would say, uh, the actors end up doing just bad movies and it's just like a, a sad ending and i think he unfortunately went through one of those because he just did a bunch of tv movies uh, at the time he, he did he, there's a rocky marciano movie with uh uh john favreau playing rocky marciano and he plays his dad uh, and then there's this show called traps i don't know if you've heard of it where he plays like an older uh detective or no sorry homicide chief and uh he comes out of retirement to work with his grandson and his grandson has a ponytail and uh, he's upset about his grandson having a ponytail and his grandson says, well, we all have expression out here. You know, the judge says that it doesn't matter. It's like that. Uh, and I was just like, fuck, that's so uh, sad that this is how what does his he career say to that? Does he, does he say something along the lines of that's all of his dialogue? <laughs> Um, I have it right here. I was watching it, uh, waiting for you. It's horrendous. I think it's like ABC or something. And uh, it feels very much like a 90s series, but 
someone uploaded it to YouTube, and let me let me just share this. Uh, well, I remember him. My first experience with George C. Scott was probably the movie Angus. Do you remember Angus from 1995? No. Angus was, a, and I don't think it was ever released on DVD or Blu-ray, but it used to get aired all the time. It was one of these 90s teen movies that was played on TNT or TBS, and it was about a fat kid with long hair, and he had a gay dad who abandoned him, and he was raised by his mom and his grandpa, and George C. Scott played the, the grandfather, I'm fairly certain. That was my first experience with, with him. And I really dug into his filmography during 2020 when I started watching all these movies from the 60s and 70s. And he is by far one of my favorite actors. And there's nobody who brings that sort of angry intensity yeah. quite like him. He's the best at it, no question about it. And it's kind of unfortunate that you know he did end his career I think the last movie he might have done was Gloria, the remake of the John Cassavetes film, which is one of the most boring-looking movies I've ever seen. I can't believe that they even... You know, remakes were pretty rare at the time in the 90s. You know, that was not a common thing. And that remake came out only 19 years, I want to say, if that, after the original. Yeah, 99. So his last three movies are uh, Inherit the Wind, which is... a uh, TV movie based on a real-life case from 1925 where two great lawyers argue the case for and against science, a science teacher accused of the crime of teaching evolution. And he's got Jack Lemmon in him, which you would think. <laughs> it sounds like it would be good, but I I, I mean, I've, I don't know. It's got a 7.2 in IMDb, nominated for Emmys, so maybe that's not so bad. He did, a, you know, he did 12 Angry Men with William Friedkin in... 96 or 97 hmm. that was a tv movie and it has a very stacked cast it was it was a solid film especially for what it was which was a remake of something that was already considered a classic at the time and i believe maybe i have this wrong i believe his character in that movie is the same character that lee j cobb plays in the original film lee j cobb also played kinderman in the 73 huh. Exorcist, and then he takes his, his role in, obviously, Exorcist 3. Yeah, so, that movie has, uh, well, it's a series, I think, right? No, it's a TV movie. Uh, Jack Lemmon, Jersey Scott, Ossie Davis, mm -hmm. uh, Gandolfini's in there. Tony Danza, William Peterson, Edward James Olmos. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie. Um, yeah, the Titanic so, miniseries, have you seen that? No. It's got, uh, <laughs> hold on, what's his name? Uh, Tim Curry's in it. Catherine Zeta-Jones. It looks horrible. <laughs> Let me show you. It looks so bad. Uh, Did this conveniently come out around the time of Titanic? 96. James Cameron? Yep. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of Titanic 2 movies that were released, too, that were trying to fool people. I remember there were at least like two Titanic 2 movies, and they got away with it by saying, well, it's the second Titanic ship. So, of course, we're going to call it Titanic 2. Right. Here's the, the show. Oh. Called personalized protection. Hold on. Hold on. You come in more than one size. That's my favorite part of this show is that people upload just the commercials. Walt Disney World. There's more new to do in all three seasons. Okay. Sorry. Traps. <laughs> the 24, 24. Yeah, I'd be, whoa. His body really goes through like a turtle, Ninja Turtle type <laughs> shape. I noticed that with Exorcist 3. 
He does at some point decompress a little bit. I don't think he was this fat around the time he died. Also, I feel like he's wearing the same exact clothes as Exorcist. Did he just show up? And Peter Falk used to wear his own trench coat and blazer and everything else on the set of Columbo. So maybe George C. Scott would just be like, all right, I'm going to throw on my favorite suit. and we're gonna David go Byrne it. suit. Look at those long shoulders. But anyway, yeah, it looks like shit. It, it looks, it's so boring. And uh, look at that face. No neck. When the mist kind of clears and Cora's there again. When that happens, I take her out to dinner, dancing. I wonder what he felt during this time. <laughs> Just like, how did I wind up doing this? It lasted did... five episodes, by the way. It didn't even, not, not even a full season. It's just five episodes and it was canceled. Um, I know that he hated acting. Oh, really? Yes, he hated acting and he was always a problem when it would come to like, important movies uh i'll give you an example here with hardcore paul schrader had to come out to his house and plead for him to sign on to the movie after he said he would consider it or something and he was apparently just wasted he was just very drunk he was a bad drunk he hated going going and doing these these movies he didn't really respect actors um you know, I and and I don't know. He he My just seemed like a very complicated person. <laughs> Maybe that changed by the time you know he reached the '90s or something. But he just seemed like a big old problem for a lot of directors. Anyway, after he had done film work in the '50s, '60s, and '70s, and garnered some Academy Award nominations and a win for Patton, which also I was going to say, there's a TV movie of Patton where he reprises his role in the '80s, and you know that should tell you enough about the depths of how far you can fall as an actor is if you win the Academy Award for Patton for a great film, great performance, and you're stuck doing a TV movie of Patton with nobody from the original involved. How many years later? Probably about 20 years later. Have you seen his directed movies? Yes. Rachel. I watched, um, what was the name of his, his direct, he only directed one movie, I believe. There's a one called Rage. Yep. And that's what I watched. That's what I watched. And he goes on a rampage. He directed that after working with Stanley Kubrick. Mm. And I'm always interested because of Todd Field, I guess. I was interested in seeing what actors had gleaned from working with Kubrick and then approaching that medium as director. And I watched Rage, and I watched something else. I watched something else that somebody Kubrick worked with uh, went on to direct. I can't remember what the film was, but I think it's a very interesting thing that you can pick up information or skills, even if you're an actor or, or you know you're not intersecting directly with whatever that director is imposing upon the film and you're just kind of their tool but if you learn the right lessons you can apply them and um i think you can see hints of that with rage and you can see tons of it with todd field's work have you seen the savage is loose no I did she's not. his I other not. directed movie where he has long hair uh the movie it says a husband wife and their son are strand stranded on a remote island with no way off 
as the song grows older, sexual tensions emerge. What? Yeah. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Hold on. Who's on this island with Dorothy them? Scott, Just the mom? Trish Van de Veer and uh, the son, I guess. This is what he looks like. Wow. That's a choice. That's a big artistic swing. The Savage is... I'm curious about this movie now. Did you ever see The Changeling? That sounds very familiar. I don't, I don't the know. Savage is loose. Ooh. All right. <laughs> we'll take a look at this yeah. at some point for movies, I'm sure. Now, uh, The Changeling was a 1980 film. As soon as he started doing horror movies, if you started doing horror movies as a respected actor, that meant you were slumming it. Like John Cassavetes did a couple of horror movies. He did The Fury, uh, Brian De Palma, a film with Kirk Douglas. Both of those guys were slumming it, doing it for paycheck. And he also did another movie that he's hardly in, and it, it's incredibly cheap. But, you mean the, the Changeling, the 2023 Apple TV TV show? No. <laughs> uh, the TV show I know nothing about it and have never heard of let me take a look at this like keith quick. stanfield your favorite in it he uh, is the modern george c scott yeah some would say uh that's the first result when you google the changeling which is kind of sad yeah that's definitely not what i was thinking at all it's about his wife and child dying in a car wreck i'm fairly certain and then they come back to haunt him well, this one, the series says, Apollo and Emma's love story is a fairy tale until Emma mysteriously vanishes. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Bereft? Bereft? B-E-R-E-F-T? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's just close out of the changeling. Let's get back to Legion here. Okay. We've, we've gone way off course. So Legion was originally being developed by William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin. William Friedkin doesn't really talk about that that much. He was thinking about it. He was thinking, yeah, maybe I'll do this one. And then he didn't. Then he did a bunch of other horrible movies in the early 90s instead. And I'm thinking about the one where there's like a tree that haunts people and rapes, not in an evil dead way, but just in a way. And what was in a it? way. <laughs> there's, uh, there's another one too with like Linda Fiorentino that's Night really horrible. 90s uh the early 90s is a rough period for william friedkin the only movie from that period that's actually worthwhile off the top of my head anyway is blue chips blue, blue chips. chips i thought was solid um the guardian a young couple the with guardians a newborn baby oh man don't realize the nanny they hired is a magical nymph who sacrifices infant to an evil tree Eesh. okay and what what is the, what is the other one uh, Blue Chips and Reb no, Rebel Highways, a TV series. Uh, Jade. Jade. From 95, 12 Angry Men, 97. horrible. Jade was really the one of the worst, by far the worst movie in his filmography. And it doesn't improve with the director's cut. It's still trash. It's, it's shit. David so, Caruso as the main guy? That's never a good sign for, <laughs> yeah. for a movie. For a movie. I don't think that's a good sign. You see you know, never a good sign unless it's CSI? No, right? it is. No, no, really not. He's fine as like a slimy shithead side character. One-liners. For our films, yeah. Other than that, it's it's rough going if you see David Caruso in that cast list. Just an unlikable, unlikable looking ginger fuck. Who cares about David Caruso? 
So Friedkin should have directed it. Yeah. Rest in peace, David Curry. So he's not dead. He's but. not dead. He's around. He's waiting for that CSI Miami nostalgia to Re- kick in so yeah. he can get it. They gave it to William Peterson instead. Now I think it's just, they just rebranded it CSI Vegas and acted like it's a new show, even though it's a bunch of 70-year-olds in the cast. <laughs> Great. Whew. I don't understand technology. They're trying to insert technology there. Rebel Highway, it's a series made for television movies inspired by me movies. It's got a pretty good cast. Uh, John Hawks, Julie Bowen, David Arquette. Julie Bone? Yeah, from that show. Jake Busey. My favorite Bone. Jake Busey. That's yeah. that constitutes a great cast. Is Jake Busey? Yeah, you got uh, um, what's his name? Matt LeBlanc is in it. Uh, Jared Matt Leto. LeBlanc Alicia and Jake Busey. Okay, and Alicia Silverstone, which who she's making a comeback in that. I got invited out to this Benicio del Toro reptile movie party out in Soho or somewhere, and it's just a Netflix film. Yeah. People are sucking this movie's dick. I watched the trailer. It looks like a Netflix movie. Like a Netflix movie. I mean, I don't know. I'll watch maybe. I'll watch like the first five minutes of it. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll wow me. Maybe I'll just be knocked back and impressed. I have no idea. I doubt it though. How was the party? I didn't go to the. Par- <laughs> I didn't go to that shit. I'm sorry. You can't dangle Benicio del Toro in front of my face and get me to come out to Soho and hang a drink. $8 fucking little plastic cup drinks that are mostly like Kool-Aid in them and hardly any vodka. Let's get real. Are you excited but, about, uh, before we move from Friedkin, uh, his Kane Mutiny Kurt Marshall movie that has a uh, Kiefer Sutherland that looks like the like uh, that guy from Hannibal that got his face eaten by pigs? Look at this shit. What, what happened? Oh. What happened? Oh. Why did they use that as the still for the poster? Why did they do that? They threw the threshold on there. Look at that. He looks older in he that. Looks horrible. What is it? Mason uh, Berger? Is that his Mason character? Berger. Eaten by pigs. That's what it I think is. of when I think of Kiefer Sutherland is eaten by pigs. Oh, no, Berger oh, with a V. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that? You there we go. Perfume nationalist now. There, there, there he is. <laughs> Jesus. Kiefer, the fuck? fuck. Yeah. This comes out the same day as the Exorcist Believer movie. But this is the Paramount Plus exclusive, right? Oh, and Showtime, too. I didn't know Showtime had a streaming service. Well, they're they're part of Paramount. They're owned by Paramount. So that's how that works. But yeah, no, I I watched the trailer to the Kane Mutiny Court Martial film. And visually, it, it did not impress me. It really looked like a Showtime series. It looked like Homeland or something. And hmm. that's kind of disappointing. But I have a feeling it's going to be pretty good in spite of that. The cast yeah. is great. Cool. Yeah, Lance Reddick's last performance, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Clark. And, uh, and I don't recognize anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah. Back to Legion. So to Legion, Legion, yeah. So at some point, William Friedkin bowed out of Legion. William Peter Blatty decided to helmet himself. Had this deal with Fox or CBS Fox at the time, Fox CBS. And what we wound up getting was a soft sequel 
to The Exorcist that has Brad Dourif playing the Father Karras role and the Gemini Killer. That's yeah. the biggest change-up from this to Exorcist Three, which was released in theaters in 1990. Yeah, there's you... a lot more Brad Dourif, right? That's the biggest. I mean, I, I, I'm saying that's the biggest thing they added because that's the the most screen time that looks like shit in this movie is when he's in it. So I ass I'm assuming that he wasn't in it that much. <laughs> it was a, all of that was cut. And now that you told me that, I started playing the the regular cut. I guess you want to call it something. And yeah, you have Father Karras there, and that's com missing completely from mm -hmm. from that movie. So, well, it wasn't supposed to be a direct sequel to the Friedkin Exorcist film. I think it, I mean in in some ways it is, but. Obviously, you have a brand new cast. George C. Scott was not in the 73 one as Lieutenant Kinderman. You didn't have Ed Flanders as Father Dyer. So what would be the point in making it a direct continuation? Let it just exist in the same world and be its own story. Brad Dorff is kind of an interesting choice for Damien Karras on the surface. And you do lose a bit of that... Uh, performance quite a bit of that performance when you take a look at the exorcist 3 movie where jason miller you know he's fine i guess but he's not delivering the same caliber of performance he did in the 73 one he seems a little older a little more tired hmm. he probably doesn't care as much about acting i had taken a look at his filmography and i watched a movie that he starred in called the nickel ride and he's very good in the nickel ride and that was a year or two after The Exorcist came out. He took that movie, which has never been released on DVD or Blu-ray, I'm fairly certain, up until recently, or even VHS. It did not get a VHS release. I guess it was a total flop. He took that movie over Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver. Yeah. So that probably haunted him to the day he died. Ah, that's sad. I mean, it's better for the movie i would say uh, i would agree and i don't know if you would have a the nearest career i think so i i mean that is such an iconic role for de niro but i think he would still be more or less the same character he has developed into as an actor that he was you mean that he was <laughs> not this very joe biden-y uh performance for every movie yeah. You know, so um, then the studio had taken a look at the so apparently the the Legion cut that has been released is not everything. Some things have been lost to time. If you take a look at the trailer to Exorcist three, it might be worth pulling up. There are some scenes in that that are in neither cut. And I'm very curious what happened to them because they look kind of cool. They look kind of creepy. There's a lot of special effects that have been added to the Exorcist 3 movie. The big thing that people always point out is that they added Nicole Williamson, who's best known as Merlin in Excalibur, the John Borman film from the early 80s. He also plays Spawn's mentor in the 1997 Spawn movie, so clearly he also took a dip in his career as well. Yeah. He's added as an exorcist called, uh, as a priest called Father Morning who has experience in exorcism and he just really fucks up with this exorcism and has part of his scalp removed as a result of trying to combat the Gemini killer who's inhabiting the body of Damien Karras. Should I play the official trailer from Scream Factory? Is that the one? 
No, I would okay. probably not. I, I would say if there's like a four by three theatrical trailer, play that. There's, mm. a, you know, I, um, I watched it today, as a matter of fact, in preparation for the show. And that's when I did notice that there was something different. And I caught, you know, if you, if you can't find it, maybe I'll take a look real quick, but oh, I got I, it. Um, it looks like shit though, but let me see. That's all right. All right, 17 years ago. By the way, I was watching like a TV advert for one of those compilations of all music that you you know, you can buy like 80 tracks on one CD and it'll only be 16.99 and the narrator played this song as one of the tracks and would say, "Enjoy the soothing sounds of tubular bells." Yeah. It's just like, can you imagine somebody just sitting in their fucking favorite chair in 1993 listening to that song with a but, pipe in their mouth and their slippers on and that's how they unwind? Just relaxing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen to the Exorcist uh, theme. Mm. A crazy thing about The Exorcist is that it did not have an original score, I'm fairly certain. They used all pre-existing music. Mm. Wow. So, they were yeah. able to find a perfect theme for it for that and not even have to pay someone to make it that's that's pretty cool whoa whoa you see jesus's eyes open they really cut back to that a <laughs> yeah. lot in the movie yeah. i was like all right we get it it's very goofy all right want to play the uh the audio here okay so you're yeah this is the right trailer you're gonna see something that is not in the movie now you didn't get to see any of this so this was there you yeah. go there's a face transition there What, what did we <laughs> what was there you're gonna about halfway through you start to see the facial transition from uh the gemini killer into damien Karras, and it shifts into like a demonic face a couple of times it's clearly like a like four or five different face molds that are cast onto brad dora for jason miller here that's not in either cut there's also Damn. some other shots of Karis on the cross coming up from hell that are not in the Exorcist 3 theatrical cut. A lot of people will tell you that the theatrical cut is better than Legion. And what I you... think I agree with it. Is it because the theatrical cut is a horror movie and Legion is not really a horror movie? I think they're more or less the same, to be honest with you. There's just a little bit more special effects in yeah. the theatrical cut. It is spookier. But, yeah, I mean, look, at there's no lightning. Yeah, that, in. yeah. Although I do love that in the Legion cut, the cell that they throw the Gemini killer in is basically like a sewer. Yeah, it it's looks just like... It's constantly leaking water. It looks like where they kept Killer Croc in the Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> yeah, just dirty and dark. Mm -hmm. You can barely see them. So the biggest, biggest, biggest change is, aside from Jason Miller being cast as Father Karras, the ending is very different, which you spoiled yourself. You, you decided yeah. to take a look at it. It's much more climactic than what we wound up getting in Legion. In Legion, is, yeah. Is the monologue about the fish, is that in the movie? Oh, yeah, that's in both. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great. That I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
and uh let's see what oh the dream sequence that was cool that was really cool uh i thought i was going i was uh going to be watching a, a weirder movie because of that dream sequence uh but then there wasn't really that much of that after that happened uh, were you disappointed that was the end of fabio and patrick ewing <laughs> yeah that was weird too just like oh like just a young patrick ewing there's an angel um i uh i read that uh john carpenter was also uh rumored to direct the movie but then he talked to uh Peter Blatty and a lot of the things he wanted to do he he wanted to uh Peter Blatty wanted to do something more straightforward and not so spooky I guess so he he what was the quote he says something like uh he was very passionate about it he wanted to direct it himself so he just stepped away um do you think we would have gotten something more like um uh fuck what is the heart of darkness is that what the movie is called uh mouth of madness yeah in the mouth of madness uh because they, they i feel like they have similar feel um I, at least when i when i watched that like fucking 10 years ago uh i think that would have been more interesting if it was going to happen in 1980 and not 1990 i think by 1990 john carpenter was just kind of a piece of shit director <laughs> right so i think that would have been a big mistake and william peter blatty's directorial output from from I mean, actually, he just only directed this in Ninth Configuration, I think, off the top of my head. So I won't say it was better than, it is better than Late Carpenter, but I don't know if it was necessarily more reliable on paper in 1990. I still think it was just the best choice for him to helm the work himself. But, you know, it, it probably would have veered away from being this procedural psychological drama that it is with little horror elements thrown in to satiate that audience. Yeah, I I think it uh relied on the remember the first movie a lot, but at the same time th they don't feel like they're related. Um I feel like the exorcist is a lot more claustrophobic and a lot more like you you have like a feeling of dread while watching it, you're just expecting something horrible to happen. Uh and maybe because, you know, the the scenes are are famous and they everyone's seen the scenes even if you haven't seen the movie uh, but for this one it just it it was suspenseful i guess it was it was um but i like you said the the ending is very anticlimactic and you're you kind of expect the or i was expecting the less as the clock was ticking <laughs> i was like okay 15 minutes to go i'm waiting this 15 minutes are going to be fucking off the wall crazy shit happening and then he just keep expecting it and and then they get to the scene where he shoots him and then fade to black and i was like oh all right so i i guess i teased myself uh just not knowing what i was going to get um but they don't they feel like very distant cousins i guess uh the yeah. exorcist one to this one because the the feel of it and the just the, the feeling that you have watching the exorcist compared to this is, is a lot different uh so maybe if you had someone else well maybe the you know the regular cut has a closer feel to the exorcist but no 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 honestly i think probably legion it feels more like the exorcist than exorcist 3 does even with jason mm -hmm. miller in there 
you know, they do a callback in the beginning to the Father Kara suicide sequence where he's going down the steps, and it plays better in Legion opening with the stark black and white as opposed to just having direct color. And hmm. you have an in, you know, there's dialogue from James Veneman, the, the Gemini killer, that is overlaid as you're kind of walking through Georgetown. And it plays, it sets the vibe, I think, much better than in Exorcist 3, where you're not really sure where it's going. There's yeah. a there's a murder. We know that. You see the planes, the helicopters. And then we pick up with Kinderman, and you're reintroduced to these characters and who's embodying them now. And I think the opening runs better for Legion, but I definitely think that the ending runs better for Exorcist Three, even with that shoehorned exorcism thrown in there. That is a total flop. It's a total <laughs> failure. It's literally the priest walks into the cell, Karis sends him against the wall, and he tries to pull himself off the wall, and his skin just rips from his face, and it's very grotesque. But you lose the great George C. Scott monologue at the very end where he's talking about what he believes in. Hmm. That is so paramount, I think, to the third act. Did you see that, or did you just see the very, very end? Uh, I, I, yeah, I did see it. I, okay, I, so you watched the end to completion, then, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I completed. I finished. Uh, yeah, I did I did see that. Um, right up to the fade to black after the three gunshots. Um, but also, I just I just remember the the beginning scene with the church right where you have all the papers going up and like the point of view of the killer i'm assuming mm -hmm. yeah and and then you see the boy the the black boy that we're learn later that he got killed and at first he's just standing awkwardly like kind of looking but not like trying not to look type of thing and then he's at the end of the street holding a flower i thought that might come back at some point and um it does by them mentioning that he was a victim, but that that feeling that you have at the beginning with that intro, where you're just like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Uh, I don't know what I'm uh, in for. It's 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 kind of uh, I don't know if this is going to be a um, uh, like an exorcist, like exaggerated uh, exorcism movie, because at the beginning with the church and all of that, all those papers flying around or whatever. And then you have that scene with the little boy, that, with the boy that shows up at first, and then he appears at the end of the street. So that that introduction to me felt like felt more supernatural than what you end up getting. Uh, and I feel like it set me up for something that was not what the movie actually was. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I think the Gemini killer and his mo is fleshed out a little bit better in Legion. Like you, you said you didn't feel like it came back around in a satisfying way, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely lost with Exorcist 3, and there's conveniences that are made that don't quite match up with the whole thing. You lose a lot of Brad Dourif's performance. He maybe pops up three times, oh. and it's a pretty concise use of Brad Dourif by comparison because they have Jason Miller in there. They're paying Jason Miller. They want to use his name and his face. That's a mistake, I think. <laughs> I think so as well. He's not, again, he's not terrible, but he's not bringing what Brad Dorf brought. And I thought Brad Dorf's performance in the first version of it is a lot more reserved and thought out. And in the second one, because his screen time is so limited, he's a little more 
wacky. Mm-hmm. Not wacky, but he's just a little more animated, and I'm not sure if it plays as well for what that character is because there needs to be a distingu- distinguishment between what the James Veneman persona is and the Father Karras more you know, sunken, just low-energy, depressed guy mm-hmm. that Jason Miller plays that character as. So I think that's definitely to the uh, detriment of Exorcist 3 and one of the real standout things for Legion. What did you think of the performance from Brad Dorif in this movie? I think it was a little wordy at points, but mm. I think he's always great. He's always, well, he's one of those character actors that uh, when he pops up, you're like, oh, cool, weird guy. He's going to be a weird character. And uh, at times, I feel like it was a little jokery. Uh, and maybe it's just uh, it just it's difficult for me to take him seriously with some of the things that he said, but but I think that you you needed that because uh, like you said the by not having Jason Miller then he has to play more than just the one character right so when you have the him going more animated and then he calms down and then he becomes like more somber and like more quiet that's more interesting to me that what they seem to have done with Jason Miller where where you just go to him when he becomes animated and he just kind of uh, I don't know I don't I don't know if it would work as well especially because uh you're you're supposedly showing a demon possessing someone right so it's like multiple or whatever that's that's how I understood it mm-hmm. so if you have the same person then it makes more sense that he would go through different uh emotions I guess to show the difference uh between the characters but if you only change the phase once he becomes more animated then i can see why that would be more jarring or more difficult to take it serious um since he changes his face completely and all of a sudden he's jared leto with damage on his forehead you know (laughs) did you see the joker cameo in legion there's uh they put him on they put his face on one of the statues no. I was like, how did Fox get away with that a year after Batman 89? They really did not give a shit about copyright in the late 80s, early 90s when it came to using these characters. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't think it was the Joker at first. That's okay. That's fucking weird. This one? Yes, there he is. There's the Joker. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What was going on in William Peter Blatty's head where he was just saying, hey, we'll add a Joker face here. <laughs> um, it's a Joker head on the, on the church statue that's holding mm-hmm. a knife for no reason. It's not going to come back. Nope. No, but he loves desecrating the statue. That was even a component with the first one where you have the bright red bloody tits and penis on the the Mary statue in that yeah. 73 one. I remember seeing that and thinking, what the fuck? What is this supposed to mean? <laughs> I was 10 years old seeing that. I was very confused. Uh, so like yeah, there's trans a lot people of... or God's abomination. What is what is the idea you're conveying here, Blatty? 40, 50 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of beheaded statues in this one, right? Or does he keep cutting back to the same one, maybe? It's the same one. It's, it's the, same the same one, one he right? cuts back to a couple of different times. What, you do you think the... that do you do you think that this is the best sequel to The Exorcist? I mean, I don't. <sighs> yeah. 
I I almost want to say it's not, but I question why I want to say that. And yeah. I think part of the reason I want to say that is because everyone says that, and they also say this is an underrated movie. I don't think it is. I think it's a perfectly rated movie. It's kind of just a, it's a, it's an okay, like it's an average horror movie. And because you have George C. Scott, who's just infinitely entertaining, and Ed Flanders is good as well, and Brad Dorff is great, of course. Yeah. You know, it it elevates it a bit, but I'm not sure if the movie is worth the sum of its parts. Yeah, as as a movie, if you take, I mean, I guess you can't take the performance away, but as a story, it's kind of all right. You know, it's there's not many twists and turns. There's not many things that surprise you. Uh, I, I I guess the fact that uh the Damien. It's the name of the demon, right? The fact that he shows up at his house with like inside the body of an older lady. I, I guess I wasn't expecting that, but there was nothing that. What do you think about the whole body swap angle of that? I, I've never seen it done before uh, that way. So where uh, the, this demon is living in this old folks hospital or this mental institution, whatever, whatever it is supposed to be. Um, it's, it's interesting, I guess, but I don't, it's, it's very creative. I just don't know if the, um, execution of it worked that well for me. Um, because yeah, it, it makes you think, okay, every time there's like a creepy old person, is the demon in them or are they just old and got Alzheimer's? Uh, and I, I, I guess that's, that's cool. I like the idea of it. I just don't know if it worked. Uh, completely, especially in that in that, that scene where it's at his home, as it at his home, you kind of see it coming, uh, and then once it happens, you're like, oh, well, no, no surprise there. Oh, yeah, it's just a random nurse sitting yeah. in the kitchen. Nobody thinks anything of it. They just let her in. She's just sitting there. The wife says, creepy. "What kind of nurse is this? Why, uh, is she why are so you letting creepy? her in your home? Yeah. What are you What are you doing? Why, why would you just let them?" Yeah, she's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. She's terrifying before you even know she's possessed. Why would yeah. you do that? I think, yeah, I agree with you. I really like the concept of it's easier to inhabit the bodies of these Vegetables. comatose. Yeah. <laughs> or the notion that mental illness creates like a vulnerability that allows the demons to slide right on in. I think that's an interesting concept. I'm not sure if it is used to the utmost for for this movie that's that's the big thing there so i completely agree with you as far as that goes and um i think it could have been executed a little bit better or in a more interesting fashion a lot of people they love some of the spooks in this movie they love the the big shears mm. you know what did you think about the big shears as the murder weapon of choice for our gemini killer um it it felt like why would anyone have those around unless you work at what for a morgue where you have to cut someone open right cut some bone yeah the they, jaws of life that's what I, you should have used the jaws of life <laughs> i guess they tried to use an unconventional tool so good for that i guess but it, it it was kind of goofy looking you know it was kind of too big Kind it of just felt... seemed implausible to me. And they have this conversation when one of the, uh, what, the, the coroner is 
Like, oh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort. And George C. Scott's like struggling with yeah. it. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, it does. And he's like, yeah, but it snaps quick. And it's like, all right. So I, and I, th this is also the one thing about the movie I really didn't like is when you did have that nurse in George C. Scott's home, she suddenly becomes so powerful yeah. and can, you know, do that. And I didn't like that. It didn't play well for me, especially with the actress. She wasn't selling it. And it's a hard thing for an elderly actress to sell. Like, oh, yes, now suddenly I am the most powerful creature in all of Georgetown, but, you know. But also that – so that tool is – used to cut bones and you have the whole effort is that you have to open it it just closes by itself uh -huh. I, it's not a great tool to kill someone i don't think because the amount it takes, it's jammed yeah the then it's gonna time, make a noise it's it's like, hold on a second gonna, give like, me huh? wait a second hold on i'm not doing anything just give me your neck <laughs> let me yep. just yeah it's just, uh, it also looks like a like a little plastic shovel at some points, like a little boy toy thing, because it's so ridiculously big that uh, it's different. Uh, it, I don't think I, get was... a, I, I appreciate what he was going for, but I just don't buy it with elderly women being used as the, you know, the the killers here. Hey, well, the demon is super strong. That's the thing, you know. It's super. Yeah, but why wouldn't you pick a really <laughs> strong comatose guy who's just he's you know he's fresh in his coma and his yeah. body isn't withering away just yet? Because then yeah. he'll be still four times as strong. How are the little brittle bones not breaking while trying to open that giant mm -hmm. scissor thing? Right, and they do establish that the Gemini killer. It took him fifteen years to reactivate Damien Karras's. Uh, very uh, damaged brain from falling down the steps and dying and losing oxygen. You know, he had to get cooking and then he had to crawl out of the gravesite. Yeah. So, okay, so you have that that logic there, but now this old woman is holding up George C. Scott and fucking yeah. trying to choke him to death. Okay. Are we are we doing the Halloween three thing with this movie? I feel like. And honestly, I, I've seen a lot of, before I, I saw the movie, I, I've seen a lot of um, comments from internet people saying that this this could even be better than the original, which I, I don't agree with at all. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this movie, at some point, uh, I don't know how long ago uh, on the internet, that started rolling as like that idea of this movie is great, it's underrated, and it's, it's, it's maybe better than the original. Just like, you know, season of the witch uh, a couple of years ago, just like, oh, this is so much better. And then you watch it and you're just like, I don't understand people from the Internet because mm -hmm. I like season seasons of the, the witch, but I don't think it's better than the original Halloween. And I don't think it's this amazing movie that people pretend it to be. It's it's kind of corny. Uh, the performances are like kind of very B movie. Uh, and then the the story is also kind of all right. I enjoy the masks. I enjoy the worms coming out of the mask. I en I enjoy parts of it, but I don't think you. I could s say that it's better in at any in any way from the original. Not the soundtrack. Not the way it looks. Not the performances. With this one, I I think I could say the same thing. Uh, the original Exorcist is a lot more visually interesting. The performances are, I mean, I, I love George C. Scott, but everyone else is just kind of mid. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of fine. Uh, and with the original, you, well, you have Linda Blair putting up that performance and then the, the uh, father, whatever his name, and the other 
are also really good. So do you think this movie suffers from that internet brain where, yeah. where it's like, well, this movie was uh, panned when it came out. So 20 years later, we have to pretend that it's much better than it is because reasons I, I don't get why but after seeing it it kind of was kind of like I, I feel like you guys are just liking it because other people they need they something like new to like and yeah. this this was a topic of conversation probably about 10 15 years ago on message boards about how it is underrated and back then yeah it was underrated it was a pretty overlooked movie I think in terms of horror especially since you expend all the go-to ones you start going down the list, and now they're making the argument that Halloween 4, 5, and 6 are great films. No, and no they're no, not. They're pieces of shit. Not having any of that Don't shit. fall into that trap. <laughs> no. Don't go all the way down the ladder. Don't do that. No. This one, I think, is a good watchable movie, and it's fun to watch around Halloween, but it's not like, I got to watch this every Halloween. Mm. It's you know I think it's appropriate to kick off our October here because... People suck this movie's dick left and right, and I don't think we're doing that. I think we are very neutrally speaking about this film and discussing the highlights and lowlights of it where you might watch somebody else covering this film, and they're just going to tell you, oh, you know, this is actually kind of an unsung masterpiece here. Classic. And it's just like, no, you had good actors working on a horror movie where the ideas were like creative enough but maybe not fully executed, and there's the interesting story because it's always interesting when the studio interferes because then you have two different versions then you yeah. have two different cuts what's the, what's the real one what's the canon one but i'll tell you what i might think that dominion is actually the best sequel to oh. the exorcist and i think we might have to do a compare and contrast now hey we've already done all the exorcist movies maybe i'll put out a little special here's the trilogy episode like we're you know known to do from time to time there was a seven hour william friedkin special episode the day he died that we put out yeah that was all the compilation of episodes we had done before we had done a you know william friedkin show with william kyle girardi the modern william friedkin that's what i that's how i refer to him is william kyle girardi william kyle girardi <laughs> friedkin is how i've always i've always addressed him um you know so i I don't know. I think Dominion and Exorcist the Beginning could be a good, fun compare and contrast in the lead up to Believer. What do you think? Uh, what's the difference between the beginning and Dominion? I thought there was oh, the that's more. No, it's very, very, very different. It's it's stark different. Not even like in the way that Legion and Exorcist Three are different. It's totally two different films, top to bottom. They fired Paul Schrader after Dominion because they, similar to this, they were like, what is, why, why did you give us this? What the fuck is this supposed to be? <laughs> this, this, no, we're not taking this. We're not putting this in theaters. You're fired. Get the guy who did Cliffhanger. We're doing this again. And they did it again. And they tossed out half the cast. They kept Stellan Skarsgård. They rewrote the script. And it's a totally different film. Exorcist, the beginning came out in what, 2004, 2005, 2006? Uh, 2004, yeah. 2004. I went to the theater to see that. I saw it in the theater too, the beginning. Wasn't uh, wasn't that happy about it? No, I, I, I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, this is a piece of shit. It's too, yeah, it was too goofy. I don't know. Which was the good one, Dominion? Dominion's much better. Okay. I can say that for sure, having watched that on Peacock. It plays a lot darker 
it almost feels like a Lars von Trier film at times. It kind of feels like Antichrist. I was like, is Paul Schrader cribbing Antichrist right now? And no, he wasn't. He was ahead of Antichrist by like five years. So Lars, I, I don't know. What are you watching, first of all, Lars? But <laughs> second. Uh, you don't want to yeah, know so... what he watches. <laughs> <laughs> you, mm, it's a lot of SSs. SS. Uh, you know what I just saw on my Twitter feed maybe about a week ago is some girl put out like a nude video of herself from like the perfume nationalist Twitter sphere being like, hey, I'll be your girlfriend, Lars. I'll be your girlfriend. And then she was just like showing her pussy and her tits in the video. It's just like, you trash. You fucking disgusting trash. What are you doing? Log oh, off. wait. I think I saw. Yeah, I think I saw. I didn't see the video, but I, I remember seeing someone tweeting that. And I was like, what are you? This is sad. He's this got, is pathetic. This is, he's, he's not interested in black chicks, first of all. Second of all, sorry. Sorry, it's it's the truth. He's Norwegian, he's, right? Yeah, he's Swedish. He's, yeah. That ain't his type. He likes a good wayfish. Dasha can try that, and she'll <laughs> probably be successful. They just, that's what they like. Yeah. yeah. They keep the blood pure. That's how you get an Alexander Skarsgård from Stellan Skarsgård. Doughy, receding hairline older man has the most beautiful son in Hollywood. <laughs> um so hey, it's, it's hey unrelated it's kenny's birthday today oh happy yeah birthday kenny dorsley happy birthday kenny wherever you it's are it's been the big topic of conversation these days every show because there's something brewing with kenny dorsley uh go check out our new episode of bibang with kenny dorsley as these and i also did release a version without kenny because that audio was fucking terrible for the yeah. first 10 minutes that was that would be a chore to listen to that and expect the audience to hang in there until the final minutes of the show. So I put out a version without Kenny and still over an hour. Yeah. Uh, not rare, but uh, you know, that there was people calling him Robo Kenny. I remember back in the day when, whenever he would pop in or was it you way early? The... No, it was very early. You're right about that. But yeah. when you referenced that we were doing like old podcasts with Kenny, even then, his, he could not be bothered to sit down and just do a standard show like <laughs> anyone else. Nah, he's got to be driving. He's got to be on the subway. He's got to go to work. He's going to do this and that. So his audio has always been terrible. And that prompted the name Robo Kenny from viewers and listeners. And then I made a Robo Kenny for my Let's Play series that was edited, Let's Play with Lorez, which somebody in the Discord, go join our Discord, by the way. It'll be in the description of this episode was talking about and yeah so it's yeah. his birthday it's his happy 30 what five four Holiday? 34 I think. no uh yeah i think it's 34 34th birthday yeah good he should know what he's doing today why aren't you partying with him you should have gone well, to boston i'm in new york yeah i don't i don't want to go to the oh, wait, woods you... of reading or wherever the <laughs> northam Cool. All right. How far do I got to walk into these woods to find your RV? Can you need a boat, right, to get out of New York right now? How fucking shitty is that? Yeah, is there, it would be. Is it flooding? Is it... It, well, the floods are over. It's fine. Oh. It's business as usual. The next Isn't day. that yearly? Right. That happens like every. I feel like every year there's videos of the subway getting flooded as soon as it starts raining, and people are like, "Oh my god, can you believe this?" It's like, yeah, it happens every fucking year. What? What do you expect? They're not changing the infrastructure of the city, so it's just going to mm -hmm. happen every time it rains hard. Yeah, uh, there were people walking through, like up to their knees, and walk in subway <sighs> water. 
No. Just fucking disgusting. <laughs> I can't imagine. I we were supposed to do an OFC shoot that day and uh it got canceled due to the flash flood warning as a result. So I don't know. I don't know how you combat that when it's an entire city that runs on the subway. Nobody really drives here. You know? So well, it's just it is right? what it is. It's traffic. It's a yeah, nightmare. it's it's horrible. You'll it'll take you four times the time, and that's no exaggeration. You want to go to Manhattan from Queens and nah, that's gonna be an hour and a half. Take the subway, twenty minutes max. Yeah. yeah Speaking of the subways. Dirty water. Exactly. You gotta swim through it. You gotta swim to get your train. They just said the <laughs> other day. The and, yeah. mm, they they said the other day we're we're investigating maybe putting some air conditioners in the subway now. Finally. Yeah. What cool. happens when it rains though? Doesn't well, that get die, all I fucked? Guess. I don't know. Everyone gets yeah. electrocuted and all the more I people, hope so. All the more people the that live there. All the homeless. Uh, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them all. <laughs> Who cares? Let's put them on a train and get them out of here. They're thinking about, they're actually thinking about doing that. They're thinking about moving low-income people to empty cities upstate, giving oh. them free houses. Nice. So there are these empty towns in upstate New York that are not very populated. It's kind of like New England, upstate New York. It's very nice. And they are thinking because of this migrant crisis, if you don't meet a certain threshold, we'll offer you a house, but you got to go two hours that way. That's cool. So everyone that lives there in a peaceful neighborhood close to the, you know, tall trees and beautiful nature now are going to be dealing. It won't with be known for that in a year and a half. I'll tell you that right now. I think it's a good idea personally. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, hey, you get a free house. Let's see what happens with the environment, though, after that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll take it, but I don't know how happy I would be if I was living upstate and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, here's 50,000 people. Deal oh. with this shit yourself. Here's 50,000 North Africans yeah. from North Africa. <laughs> we don't have anywhere else to put them. Texas won't take them any longer. Yeah, here's a bunch of Salvadorians. Well, no, actually, Salvadorians are not leaving anymore because their country is great now. But uh, oh Guatemala yeah, I saw they went from the highest murder rate to the lowest murder rate in the world. Yeah, by just sending people to prison and not letting them out. What a, just enforce the law to a, the highest extremity. What a difficult concept to follow. Hey, you murder someone? Well, you go to jail and you stay there. Wow. My but fucking... what if it's inhumane? Right. What if what if they get a steak for lunch and it's kind of cold? Yeah. What if it's got fat on it? Yeah. You got to yeah. empathize. You got to think, what if I was in their shoes? What if I fucked and raped a woman to death and got locked up and my steak was cold? It would yeah. be horrible. Or it would multiple, be so bad. Multiple. Like you were sent to prison and then they put you out and then you did it again. And then they sent you back for like a week and put you out again. Four what if five. I went joyriding in a stolen car and ran down a former police chief just for fun because it's like Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> and then there, were, there was no pineapple in my fruit cup. My bread is a day old? That is so fucking horrible. You're right. Uh, you are absolutely right. Yeah. Those conditions are just unacceptable, I think. Inhumane, I'd mm. say. <laughs> Man, Exorcist Believer. We're a week away from Exorcist Believer. And... I have reverted to think it's going to be a piece of shit, to be honest with you. But yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, is there anything else about Exorcist 3 or Legion, rather, since that's the version you watched, the, the film that we have not gotten into or talked about yet? I, I don't think so. Um, let me see. 
my notes. Uh... You know what came out the same year as this is Repossessed, the Linda Blair, Leslie Nielsen comedy parody. They've, they've started to upload all of those to YTS and I've considered watching because I didn't know that there was a um, fuck. So that one I didn't even know existed. Uh, but I also didn't know that he did so many parody movies. Uh, I know that that's like his, his stick, but there's a space travesty. 2001 oh, no, space travesty no, no. monkey did that show with kino not long ago for is it kino and they decided i think they decided it was kino but it, <laughs> i assure you it's probably not kino yeah i didn't know that that existed and uh i don't think that's well that's year 2002 it's, it's very late uh repossessed there's a spanish movie that i didn't know came out that's in 2009 uh, 2009 i know that there was a ripoff sequel of the exorcist that was made in spain or mexico or some some latin country not long after the first one there's dracula dead and loving it which i do remember enjoying as a child i enjoyed that as a kid yeah me too i rented that on pay-per-view i remember laughing and then like waiting for my mom to leave the room because i think there were some busty women yeah. <laughs> doing blowjob gestures or something in that movie i, I don't know it's got uh, Stan Helsing. Have you heard of Stan Helsing? That's 2009. Is that like Josh from from Drake and Josh in that or something? Or Drake Bell is Van Helsing and it's a parody, like superhero movie. Uh, watch that for Civic TV. Oh, fuck. No, it's worse. Um, it's the guy from... Fuck, let me tell you where, that, where he was in. Uh, I recognize his face. Steve Howey? exactly uh is this guy i i recognize his face but i couldn't tell you from where oh he was on reba that's what i know him from he oh was yeah some yep. on reba yep that's that's exactly what i recognize him from too so that's the main character on stan helsing that's cool uh wrongfully accused that's another that's another parody right I think so. I don't know. This Nielsen. It doesn't sound like one wrongfully accused. It sounds like maybe it would be of an Adrian Lyne movie or something. I don't know. Well, don't it know. says that he's a violin god superstar and sex symbol who does not want to cheat on his wife. So it's probably another making fun of those uh, 80s action movies. But I also I, I didn't know he made like so many of these yes, parody Airplane 2, that's one I'm never going to watch. Uh, Airplane 2 is all right. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched Airplane 2. It's, I preferred it when I was a kid to the original. But no, Airplane 1 is obviously better. But no, Airplane 2, I, they repeat a lot of what happened in the first one. Mm. So it's not a Caddyshack 2 type of thing? No, I, it's definitely not Caddyshack 2. <laughs> okay. I, I was thinking about revisiting Caddyshack recently. I feel like that movie would hold up but it would hold up in a different way so i remember when i was 10 years old or something i thought that dan Aykroyd was in the second one he took over for bill murray oh no. chevy chase chevy chase is in the first one i thought chevy chase was the funniest part i never found bill murray funny in that movie no he was annoying but i think if i were to go back now i have a feeling that ted knight would be the funniest one and ted knight was the older guy i just i i started watching mary tyler moore and he's the weatherman on that show. And he's very funny. We should do that. We should do Animal House to see if he holds up. 
what other comedy from around that time uh well we can't do that right now because we're in spooky season right so it's just going to be horror we can watch the john landis execution of two vietnamese children (laughs) just a video live and over again we're gonna watch it a hundred (laughs) times to raise money for the refugees in new york we're going to do a telethon where we're just watching the Twilight Zone bloopers over and over throughout the evening. You know what movie I... Oh. That's so sad. I'm so sad for him. This, Yeah, the very end of his career is really where it gets very oh, look. dark. Very dark. Your, is that Keenan? Yeah, it's got your favorite, too, there. Yeah. Wow. Stan Helsing. Can't wait till he has to go back to doing these movies. <laughs> I mean, Good Burger 2, I guess, is the biggest sign of that, huh? Yeah, I guess his show didn't really work out. He's what trying to do like a Bernie Mac show, but it's him, right? Didn't they try to do that? No, it was with him and Don Johnson, and he was like a lovable dad. But Keenan has no personality. He's completely juiced his personality out. It's over for Keenan. Let Kel have his moment. Give him an NBC show. Just let it play out. Who's what? You know, I was just thinking the other day, it would be so... Like avant-garde at this point, if a major TV network put a TV show out and was like, and you can only watch it live. We're never going to put it on stream. It'll never be on streaming. You can only watch it live. And like if it was a big show. Because I I was thinking back to how, you know what I watched? I watched NBC's Seinfeld finale night. And it was an upload of a VHS tape that someone had, had done and they recorded Oprah from earlier in that day. And now for me, Oprah was on ABC, not NBC. And Oprah had on the cast of Seinfeld to talk about the finale, which was going to be that evening. And then they did a 30 or 40 minute special where it was like bloopers and it was set to Green Day's time of your, the best time of your life. What is it? Yeah. That, that song, Good Riddance, yeah, yeah, I think it riddance. actually is called. Yeah. They ended with that and it was just this big sentimental send off. And then, all the commercials that night, because it was a TV broadcast, it was a VHS up, upload of that, were all themed. With, it was like, tune in to Larry King tonight, and then he would reference Seinfeld. There was a Capital One commercial, and they would reference Seinfeld. It Is like, this it? Um, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, this is it, because it was a Boston broadcast. I recognized the weatherman I saw when I was a kid on the, on the TV. But this is just the, the finale. On Archive, it has Oprah and then the send-off special at the beginning of it, and it just plays with commercials the entire time. And I thought... That's insane. You would never you would never see that today where all the commercials were about this one thing. It was an, a real, true event that this show was ending. So well, That's how huge those ratings were, I'm sure, right? Let me see. Seinfeld. I can't spell Seinfeld. What the fuck? Seinfeld. Ratings. Like, how big was that last episode compared to it what was, it TV was shows get now? Probably 50 million viewers, I'm guessing. Because shows, if a show was successful on one of the major three networks, it would still get like 20 million viewers each week. 76.2 wow. million. Remarkable. Wow. Yeah, the episode before got 58 million Imagine a show getting, well, I guess that excuse that uh, companies use now, right? You can't really, you don't know the streaming number. So maybe uh, 
what is what's that called the uh, whatever gambit on netflix maybe they got more than 78 million people watching right because biggest biggest show ever it's like no like i a tv show that airs once and you have 76 million people watching it at the same time that's i don't think that's ever going to happen again uh but it's it's so crazy to think about especially with uh the age of content that we're in now uh so many people just coming together to watch the same episode of the same thing that's just something that's just not going to happen again no i think every so often you'll get the occasional streaming service show that will probably do similar numbers to that but it's still going to be a fraction of it like i can't fathom that even stranger things season one generated the same numbers as that seinfeld finale and that's what as close as it probably gets or squid game squid game was another one where it was maybe in that that pantheon of tv shows that captured the moment but no i mean well even something yeah. like walking dead that was huge and everywhere right the biggest episode was 16 million mm -hmm. and that show was everywhere uh Which 17 is... million sorry uh it's good for a cable network's ratings but it's still shit. It's seven, still not that much. Seven times that. Uh, What's well, another huge show that wasn't a uh, breaking button? Mm, maybe Game of Thrones. That even I would I would question because people have to pay HBO. a pretty hefty sum for HBO, comparatively. What other show do you think? Oh fuck. There's nothing. I, there's nothing compared to the big three networks: CBS, ABC, NBC they are always going to be the top 10, 20, 30, 40 of ratings because everyone has access to them. So, but the fact, you know, it's, it's kind of wild to me that, well, actually, you know what? It's not that wild. I think doing things like what we had talked about in DMs the other day, the golden bachelor, the <laughs> golden bachelor is a good idea for ABC because you're thinking who is actually tuning into these networks now? old people yeah black people that cbs made their choice are we going old or are we going black they decided to go black they got blacked they used to be old now they're black so i read this as well the average demographic the median age for what show was it i know becker had this median age and then something else did something very big oh jag the average viewer for jag remember jag yeah <laughs> okay for jag and for becker the median viewer got like 20 30 million viewers an episode for these shows 58 years old and they said yep that's who we're catering to and that was the cbs network they went for that older demographic you had tv shows like judging amy or touched by an angel or whatever it might be and they were settled on that they were comfortable with it they knew that was going to be their reliable bread and butter. In the past five, ten years maybe, they decided to veer off from that. Since George Cheeks, his name's George Cheeks, took over <laughs> CBS for That's Les Moonves. George Cheeks is the first biracial gay man in the history of CBS's ownership. There was an interim guy between Les Moonves who got outed for sleeping with a number of women including the big brother host julie chen his future wife hmm. while he was married and, <laughs> and while the host he was in control yeah and the host of survivor too 
Yeah, thought he's sucking <laughs> off Jeff Probst. Um, so there was an interim guy, George Cheeks took over, and since George Cheeks took over for CBS, their ideal demographic, I think, has changed completely from we want to go for a more urban audience, a more youthful audience compared to the 58-year-olds that we relied on forever. Yeah, I'm looking for the episodes that have had the most audience in history and it's all oh, super bowls it's all super bowls there's uh the last episode of mash had 105 million people that's, in 83 that that's the biggest right yeah 100 and, uh, 105 million and then the last episode of roots had 100 um and that's pretty much it the day the day what's the day after american the day after was a tv movie about a nuclear bomb being dropped okay that also had a hundred million along with roots but besides that yeah it's a super bowl uh police pers police pursuit of oj simpson and richard nixon's resignation speech and uh the apollo moon landing is number one with 125 to 150 naturally uh but yeah just i don't know i guess it it really caught caught me off guard thinking that you know Seinfeld even though I like I, I like Seinfeld but how huge was that show that the last episode 75 million that's more than the population of most countries in the, in the world and we just right. tune in to watch this goofy show about nothing and with a very mild episode too it wasn't even that great <laughs> no it wasn't it, it was a pretty lackluster episode all things considered i think i liked the fact that they were going to prison or something you know it's yeah. a little more definite but it was about on par with just any other episode of seinfeld and then i started thinking i started thinking about tv finales in general and good ones and bad ones and i watched another tape on archive.org of king of queens and then it followed up with how i met your mother and I remember how I met your mother ending the audience deciding it ended poorly. Did you, were you into that show no. at all? That also kind of swept through the youth of, of 2005 to 2011 as people watching how I met your mother. Actually, it's a pretty good show. It's a pretty good sitcom. It's a pretty good show. <laughs> I don't know. I never, never really got into it. Uh, never really cared. Honestly. No, I was not a fan of it. And then I watched it on like a cruise when I was sunburnt and I couldn't get like I was going to Jamaica or somewhere at Caribbean. And I got so burnt the first day I had to stay in the second day because I was just like this in bed. I was fucking oh, was so miserable. Pink, bright pink. And I watched Up in the Air, the George Clooney movie about the Walter Kern book. And mm -hmm. then I watched How I Met Your Mother. And I was like, yeah, I like these. These are good. This is all right. I was just looking for like something to not feel like I ruined the vacation uh, that I was on by not lathering up well enough with yeah. fucking the highest SPF. How I Met Your Mother, the biggest episode was 13 million. So st still nothing. Still yeah. pretty, pretty much nothing. You know, I remember people talking uh, back in 2002 or so, 2003, four when survivors ratings dipped from 20 million an episode to 16 million an episode, people were like, this is it. This <laughs> is the end. It's going to get canceled any day. And now these ratings are horrible. And now it's just like the average TV show, probably in general 
on a cable network especially probably gets like 200,000 viewers. The CNN anchors, they revealed how many people were watching those. I remember back in 2018, 2019, even during the fervor of Trump. And it was still like 100,000 viewers. Brian Stelter had fucking nobody watching. Yeah. So up until a certain point, it was just a matter of them handpicking. We like these people. We want this message to fucking stick. Let's throw them out there. Now, because the writer's strike is over, they've emboldened the idea of uh, highlighting the, and rehiring the people who are generating financial success because there's more on the line for them. They're, you know, they can't pocket that little extra income on the side. They have to give it to the writers. So now that they're losing a little bit more money, they're going to start tightening things up. And I think ratings are going to matter much more than they have in the past 10 years. Well, Survivor's still getting almost 7 million, which I think is pretty good. For a network, it's pretty good, but yeah. it's still generating. This, this premiere was horrible. With everyone online is saying this is the worst, the worst cast, and they cast like a bunch of soy types, uh, you know, and they're all like under thirty years old and soy. And there was a very, very out of shape guy named Brandon who had long hair and he was pudgy and he couldn't even climb up the ladder to get on a boat. And funny. he was just he spent like an hour doing that, and then he finally got up and collapsed and it was just like dead. And it's just like, why would you put this person on the show if they can't physically handle it? You know, they've gone in such an opposite direction where I remember people complaining in 2004 about Mactors, models slash actors that would get recruited for their looks. And now it's like you've, you've, you've hit the other end of the spectrum where these disgusting pieces of shit can hardly stand without gasping for air to catch their breath. Which you would think it would make it funny, but it doesn't even get... Oh, it, it, was, it was funny, but okay. it's just like, it's like this, 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 this is... It's not what the show is, yeah. This is not what the show is supposed to be. Like, you have, some, you have to have, like, some of those people, but they got to be, like, physically ready. You got to be ready for, for it. But well, you that's... can't climb up a ladder. <laughs> the show that... just started. It was, it was literally the opening three minutes. He's climbing up. The, he can't climb up the ladder from the water. Pathetic. It's just... Ugh. The long hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that dude, he's, I think he's, I believe he's going to quit the show or he's getting the boot next episode. So he's been soaking it up on Twitter, trying to get as much of that clout as possible while he's still on TVs. It's just, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of the show. I've seen a couple of seasons and I think I saw a couple for that show that we did with Jack, but, um, it's like they forget the reason why people would watch this. And if they were to make it a joke, if they were to make it like, okay, well, now it's just overweight people that can't handle anything or very small, weak people that also can't That's handle anything. That's a great idea for, anything. for a season is overweight versus underweight. Right. So that, okay, I see the appeal. I'm here to laugh. I'm, he I'm not here to like get the emotional connection that they all try to have or like the backstory and like all the... Uh, anything interesting no i'm just here to laugh at these people then fine but when it's also presented as what the show used to be but then you have people that can't even handle challenges at all then it's just like why am i watching this you know i'm make me laugh at them at least you know what i mean uh -huh. so that there's something yeah I'm, I'm looking at the cast and uh yeah there's not one well there's one muscular guy let me let me pull it up is there a muscular guy i don't know if there is let's see well this guy at the end but 
This guy. Uh, the black guy, Bruce. So yeah. Bruce Scott, he, here's the deal with him. He was not supposed to be in this cast. He was on the last season. He hit his head on a boat and got a concussion in the <laughs> literally the first five minutes and had to go. They took him out after five minutes on the beach because he hit his head. Five minutes. I'm not exaggerating. And they were like, sorry, Bruce, this, this is really bad luck, but we got to take you. And so they threw him in on this new cast. Yeah. It just it just looks very not ready for the challenge. And again, if it was played for laugh, then I'm all in. But I know it's not gonna. So, yeah, it's just shit. It sucks. It 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 is what it is at this point. It's fine. Just let it die. It's all right. Something new will come along. Something new always has to come along. Yeah. It's been almost 25 years or something like that at this point. Let's just move on to the next thing. Kenny's uh, dating I, show is Kenny's dating on. show will be the new Bachelor, the new Golden <laughs> Bachelor. Oh, uh, man. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And if you want to fund that, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Loras and sign up in the $5 tier because where is that money coming from? Where is it coming from? Good question. It's a question on everyone's tongues and my mind. So, yeah. If you have challenge ideas for that too, drop in on our Discord. Maybe I'll make a Discord channel specifically for the Kenny dating show because Mario's contribution just right off the cuff was really good. <laughs> yeah. Was way too good for what we were even probably thinking beforehand. Um, all right, we, we got anything else? Uh, it's it's a good movie, but it's not the best Exorcist movie. Is I guess how I can summarize the episode. That, well, that was my opinion. I was, yeah. is a, it's it, it's not the best Exorcist movie, not the best Exorcist sequel. You probably would think it's the best Exorcist sequel, at least at this junction. Maybe you won't be persuaded by Dominion. We'll find out if we decide to do that episode. All right. That has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening.